You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Got some news for you. It's coming home. (laughs) This time next week, eh? We're premature because we've already come home. We feel very much this is our our home. Uh, We're both from Coventry, both born in Coventry, Coventry kids. And uh, for that period of some six, seven months during the transition of uh, me leading and trying to find someone to come and pass the work, um, then we we really knitted in. In fact, I was baptized in water at this church, kind of when it was over there, uh, many, many years ago now. In fact, we're celebrating 45 years of being joined in holy deadlock, uh, wedlock this year. And so that's something. And I've uh, been a Christian a long, long time, and so that's good. Uh, I, are, you, are you warm? Are you quite warm? I heard this story about this uh, gentleman who was leaving to go on holiday, and he, he arrived in Florida a day before his wife, and so he thought, well, I'll send her a little email to let her know I've arrived safely. Uh, But the only thing was, he was a little bit like me, not all that technically minded. And as he typed out on the old email, he he missed out one particular letter. And so his email went to an elderly pastor's wife whose husband had only died the week before. And she got the message that he sent. Uh, And he, he, he sent this message, he says, Dearest wife, I've just got checked in. Everything is prepared for your arrival tomorrow. (laughs) Your eternally loving husband, P.S., it sure is hot down here. Well, it sure is hot in here. Uh, But we've just had a tremendous uh, first service, a great, great service. And in that I explained that in fact... It was uh, some six years ago that I shared the Word of God from this platform on a passage of Scripture that I'm going to refer to again today. So if you're a long-standing member of the church, you will have heard me share on this subject before. I fought with God, literally. I, I, I can't tell you how many times I knelt down in my home, in my little study at home, and said, God, I, I don't want to do this message. I don't want to do this message. And yet I could not shake it off that I ought to return to that passage of Scripture that I shared on some years ago. And so if you've got an ear to hear what the Spirit is going to say, I believe that there's not one of you that can't receive something from God this morning, from God's Word. I'm pumped up. I'm ready. You've got your cold water. And now if you open up your heart to hear the Word of God, not just your ears, then who knows what God is going to do. Pray with me, please. Father, as we come to your word now, I ask that you will anoint me, help me to communicate something of real truth, and that, Lord Jesus, your name really will be glorified in this place. I ask it in your name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you a question, and it's a very significant and important question that demands an answer. And the question is this, what is it that makes CLM different from any other church in this particular city or even the country? Or 
let me go in one step more than that, really, and say, what is it about this church? I know it's growing. I know it's fantastic. I know that if I was living within a very great distance of here, I'd make this my home church. I'd be coming to this one. I, I know all of that. But what is it that distinguishes it? And what is it that can actually make sure that it continues to grow and continues to influence because you see it's so easy for us to become complacent and think well God's blessing God's doing something God's just doing a wonderful thing but actually the end is not yet praise the Lord and there is always more so what is it about this church you say well John didn't you listen to that music I did and it was great I enjoyed the leading of the singing I enjoyed everything about it that drummer was pretty good wasn't he as well and uh, everybody was just absolutely fantastic. But we stayed at the Hilton last night, and there was a wedding going on. I want to tell you, the music was pretty good. In fact, if the truth were known, I s expect that there were some professional musicians there playing for the wedding, and they would be as talented and as gifted in the area of music as perhaps anybody on this platform. We thank God for the giftings and the way that you led us. It really was good. So I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying that you could get equal music from hotels or concert halls. So it really isn't the music. You say, John, you don't realize. Didn't you come in? Didn't everybody give you a smile? Well, wasn't it full of joy in this particular church? Yes, it is. I like it. I, I like the handshakes. I like the smiles. Mind you, last night at the wedding, there was a lot of smiles there as well that went on into the middle of the night for some of them as they enjoyed the occasion of the celebration of a wedding. So actually, although we celebrate in the world, in hotels, in concert halls, they can celebrate, I would suggest, even like us, perhaps even a bit more extravagant. Some of them put on their dancing shoes, and some of you have never done that in church, although today could be the day, who knows? So it's not the music, as good as it is. It's not even the happiness and the joy, although keep that going, because it's fantastic. You say, John, yeah, but you haven't hit it yet. We've got the best pastors in the country. Come on, someone say amen. And you know what? They are pretty good. I mean, I appointed them, so they are pretty good. I knew when I took on the leadership of this church, for that period of time, it took me seven months, actually, to get it to, so it finally happened. But I knew from day one the route that I'd got to go in order to get Martin and Esther to see the light and to come to Coventry and be your pastors here. I, I knew that early on, as I've told you that story before. And of course, you've got great pastors with great vision. I could take you to some other people in this city that has got as big a vision as Martin. You say, no. Oh, yeah. Uh, they might not even be Christians. Some people have got a vision for this city to be transformed. People in politics, people have got a dream uh, and they're dreaming that they can turn things around and that this can happen and that can happen. Vision is a tremendous thing. And although I thank God for everything that's in Martin and Esther's heart, there's still more to come. And in fact, that alone is not what makes the church the church. 
uh, you see, you've got to rediscover again what it is that can make every service dynamic and that the church being different from anything else that happens anywhere else in this vicinity. You say, John, what is it? Because I'm going to tell you what it is so that you might always enjoy it. And today is more of a teaching session. I'll be short, but it's more of a teaching session rather than an inspirational session. But in order to find out what it is, you've got to go, in fact, uh, to the book of 1 Corinthians. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 20, it says, Brethren, brothers and sisters, it says, Do not be ignorant or do not be children in understanding. Uh, so many Christians today are simply babies. They only hear what they want to hear. Uh, and they don't really want what we call meat. They don't want to know the real secrets of how to, as our brother led us in that wonderful little refrain of, let's go deeper. Let's push into God in a new way. And as you read on through that passage, it comes to this little phrase that gives us a real key. It says, so that when you get together, the secrets of hearts are revealed. Uh-oh, that didn't happen at the hotel last night. I'm going to dare to suggest that in a lot of churches around this area, that's not happening today. But there's something when we come together that has a weight attached to it because we realize we're in the presence of a God who is what we call omniscient. That is, all-knowing. He knows every one of us through and through. He knows what's going on in our hearts and in our lives. And there's a place that we can get to whereby the preacher doesn't have to mention it. The songs don't even have to touch upon it. But suddenly something happens. We can't put it into words, but we realize that the secrets of our hearts are being revealed. We're bare before God. And when that happens... The Bible says that this takes place, that everyone then, they fall down on their face, they worship God, and they confess, truly God is amongst us. There is one and only one significant difference between a church that is going to be a New Testament church, a church where the power of God is, a church where the Holy Spirit is moving, and that is a church that somehow knows how to push in so that people say, truly, God is amongst them. It can't be just done by the singing of songs, although that can help. It can't even be done by just preaching, although that can create faith. But there's something that I want to share with you this morning so that if you will grasp it and take it away with you, then every single time that you come into this place, you will know the presence of the living God. You'll be able to go from here saying, well, surely today God was amongst us. How many of you want that? Will you wave your hand? Will you just say an amen or a yes? Come on, I think that this could be even a better service than this morning, and it was pretty good. How many of you are prepared to say, yes, I want the presence of God? Will you say a yippee or a yes? Come on, let me have it. 
You know, I, I'm used to preaching in a black church in Manchester. And let me tell you, they know how to let rip. They know how to say, go for it, John. We want the presence of God like never before. Come on, church. How many of you want the presence of God? Hallelujah. Oh, we're getting there. So, let's go for it then. You see, you've got to realize this. That if, if today something can happen and break in amongst us whereby God presences himself in a unique and distinct way, then actually people will begin to call out and say, what must we do to be saved? There's salvation in a house where the presence of God is. There's healings. There's restoration. There's demon-possessed that are delivered. There's anything can happen when the presence of God is experienced. And my desire for you to continue to grow is that you constantly come to that place of having a testimony. Oh, it was good. We loved the pastor. We loved the singing. We loved the joy. We loved the vision. But oh, God was in the house. And when that happens, I'm going to tell you there's no stopping to what God will do. It has nothing at all to do with style. You could have a hymn and then a prayer, another hymn and then a prayer. Someone could stand still and say just a few words, and yet the presence of God could be there. You can have a Pentecostal meeting, not Pentecostal, Pentecostal, where everybody's, everybody's shouting, everybody's dancing, everybody's thinking, oh, this is good, and the presence of God isn't there. It's got nothing to do with style. It's not whether you're Pentecostal or anti-Pentecostal, whether you're Anglican or whether you're Brethren or even Elim. <clears throat> I said that because my wife's from Elim, and I've got a tremendous lot of friends in Elim. It, it, it really hasn't got anything to do with style. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with tradition. Well, we've always done it this way. <laughs> well, perhaps that's why you stay the same. You've got to be prepared to break out. But it's got nothing to do with tradition. It's got nothing to do with style. It's got nothing to do with even doctrine. Doctrine is important. But I've known what it is to be in a home group meeting where but there's not too many educated people, but suddenly into the room, a testimony breaks out. Oh, surely God is amongst us. I've had the privilege and opportunity of preaching to crowds, great crowds, uh, uh, perhaps 100,000 more people, and you can have the presence of God, or you can have it in just two or three, where God is in the midst. And what I'm going to give you right now is the secret, the absolute key to how you can always know the presence of God. In order to do so, now we turn into the Old Testament to the book of Zechariah, chapter 4, and verse 14, where we read these words. And then he said to me, these represent the two anointed ones who assist the Lord of the whole earth. Say anointed ones. I, I really haven't got time, you see, to go into everything this morning by any means, but suddenly we're being introduced to a key of blessing, and it has to do with what we call the anointing or the anointed ones. Because some of you, if you look in your Bibles, you will see that this verse can be translated that these are the two sons of oil. Say sons of oil. Oh, you've reverted back to being commentarians. Come on, pretend that you're from Manchester. I said, say, two anointed ones, sons of oil. Sons of oil. Actually, the Bible references towards two people. A man called Joshua, who was a religious leader, and a man called Zerubbabel, who was a civic leader. And these were the two 
sons of oil, or the two anointed ones, that God brought together in unity in order to perform a task. What was that task? It was for the rebuilding of the temple because the walls were broken down. And God wanted two sons of oil, and that can be interpreted women as well, so don't think we're talking just sons here, it's sons and daughters, this includes us all. God was looking for two people, whether they were leaders of churches or whether they were people within the community, that he could knit together with a common cause for the rebuilding of the walls of the temple because it was broken down and the wolves were able to get in and out as it was. Now, for those of you that are Bible scholars, you will realize this, that when the Bible talks about oil, very often, more often than not, it is a picture it is a type. It is a symbol of the person of the Holy Spirit. So when we hear sons of oil, we're talking about people of the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. Sons of oil. And when we read about the temple, that's a picture or a type of the church of Jesus Christ. And so basically, it is not wrong to interpret this verse this way, that God was looking for people he could draw together in unity who would be sons of oil, the Holy Spirit, for the rebuilding of the temple or the church of that particular day. Now let's bring it to 2018. July 2018. I don't like saying this, but I'm going to say something that is a fact, whether you like it or not. In Western civilization, the walls of the church are broken down. By that I mean that the church is not what it should be. The enemy can get in just wherever he wants. It seems that there's no difference between the lives of those that go to church and those that don't go to church. It seems that in every sphere that we hear about a revival in Southern America, in Africa, in Asia, all over the world, but oh, my cry is this, where are the sons of oil in this nation? Where are the men and women of the Holy Spirit? Where are those people who are prepared to be knitted together in unity for a common cause to see the church advance and so that a testimony is spoken whenever they get together? Whoa, surely God is amongst them. So really, what I'm looking for this morning is simply a man, simply a woman, a young person, an older person, a person that's here for the very first time, or a person that's been many times, who will allow something of what I'm saying to not come here, but to come into here. So a response rises up and says, John, I want to be a man of the Holy Spirit. I want to be a son of oil. I want to be a daughter of oil. I, I, I know that we've sung about it, that, that we're children of the living God. The only thing is... Many of us know that we're children of the living God, but we don't live out at the dimension of what a child of God can live. And we need to recognize not only the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, but the person of the Holy Spirit. 
Christ lives within by the power and the person of the Holy Ghost. So that wherever we go, whether it's into the supermarket or whether it's into the garage station, whether it's into the hotel or whether it's when we get together at a meeting like this, that we come carrying something. We're carrying the Holy Spirit. Where actually the music can even go wonky. We never plan that and it doesn't go wonky here very often. But even if it did, so what? We have it all organized so everything has to work out perfectly. And when I was pastoring, Andrew used to tell me off because I used to get agitated if things weren't done properly. Uh, and we used to have, what were them things? Um, overhead projectors. I had one person that always knocked those little acetates off and, and then you'd be reading it and then the thing would go, oh, I'll be on the front row. And the, but they're all insignificant. We have to work at them and get them right. But compared with the presence of the living God, where people have come together in unity to worship, where people have come together even to be prepared to fall on their face and have their hearts revealed, oh God, we want something of you to go deeper, then then we can know the person of the Holy Spirit. Now you've got to make a choice. Here's the choice. Are you going to be a son and a daughter of oil or not? Because there's a choice you've got to make. And the choice is this. The Bible says it's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And too many Christians live by might and live by power, and they think that they've got the goods. Let me explain what I mean. The word for might in the Hebrew is a Greek, uh, Greek word in the Hebrew, a uh, Hebrew word, chayil. And chayil means it's interpreted as might in our Bibles, but it means the corporate strength of many people. So if there was an army, and we were a part of that army, we could experience the might of that army. It would be the corporate strength of everybody. Now, some Christians, they like living by the might of belonging to a church like this. You could actually come in, sit down, you could sing, you could go out, and actually live quite a good Christian life, and yet still not experience fully the presence of God because you've decided to just be carried along with all that's happening round about you. And there are some that have totally the opposite. Some don't live by might, they decide to live by power. Power is actually the opposite. It means the individual strength of somebody that is strong. So the strongest man in the world or, uh, you know, these great big muscle-bound type people that have got great abilities to pull aeroplanes and lift up great weights and this type of thing. Great strength, great muscle strength. And some Christians here have got great strength. You've got great gifts. And the devil would actually like you to have that gift, providing you realize that it's your gift and not given over to the Holy Spirit. And that you try to do things in your own strength. Sons of oil, daughters of oil, they make a decision. I'm going to get filled afresh with the Holy Ghost. I'm going to get a new anointing of oil on my life. And I've made a decision. I'm not going to live by might. And I'm not going to live by power, but I'm going to live by your spirit. Say, will someone say amen? amen? Come on, will someone say, oh, thank He did that at that point in the first service as well. 
And look, look what he's got down here. I'm going to show him, mate. I don't care who you are. Look at this. He's got a posh one here. And he gives me the paper one because he said, he says, because I've used this one, well, now I have as well. So there you are. All right, Jack. Are you with me? Not by might, nor by power, but by my, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, do you know, we didn't have time to go into it this morning. We're not going to now. But when you find a people that do that, all kinds of things happen. You read the passage of Scripture, and suddenly you find that the mountains are made plain. Oh, in other words, where there's a people come together, and they experience the power of the Holy Spirit, problems, they, they kind of melt down to nothing. God's working amongst, there's a shout of grace, grace in that particular place. As we realize that God can forgive and restore. But, but I, I want to tell you a little illustration as we begin to wrap it all up. And then God has called me to do something this morning. Uh, and that's why I couldn't shake it off. And I just had to go this route. But there's a story of a battle that took place. It's called the Battle of Salamis. And in the Battle of Salamis, the admiral of the fleet got all of his captains of his boats there. They were in the harbor. And they said, come on, let's get out and fight. The enemy will come in. There's going to be a big battle. And he said, no, we don't fight. Not yet. And they said, but we, we, we need to get out. We, we can't fight in the, in the port here. Uh, they'll just destroy us. We won't be able to do anything. They'll just come and they'll attack. He said, not yet. And the enemy was getting closer and closer. And the captains were getting quite agitated, apparently, and they wanted to get their ships out of that port to go and fight in the battle. But the admiral of the fleet said, not yet. You see, the admiral of the fleet knew something that even his captains on the ships didn't know. It's a little bit like when a senior pastor or pastors know things which even the congregation don't know. We're all keen to do this, do that. Well, not yet, not yet. What was it that the admiral of the fleet knew? He stood up as they got even closer. And he said, now, lift up your sails out into battle. Because the wind has changed direction. He was waiting for the wind to change direction, for he knew that when that happened, they would sail out even quicker, they would win the battle even quicker, those that would have been oarsmen were able to come onto the decks and fight in the battle, and there was a great victory of Salamis. Why? Because the admiral of the fleet knew something that the other folk, even his captains, didn't know, that the wind was about to change direction. Oh, I've come back to my hometown. I'm delighted what God is doing at CLM. I'm delighted what he's doing in some of the other churches. But I've got some great news for you to declare from this pulpit today. The wind is about to change direction. Hallelujah! Oh, come on, the wind. There's going to come a move of the Holy Spirit of God, which you haven't yet anticipated. There's going to come a battle which you're going to see victory in that you never thought possible as you listen to the voice of the Admiral because he and she are listening to the voice of an even greater Admiral, an Admiral who one day declared, wait here, tarry here until you be endued with oil 
power from on high. And so they gathered in an upper room and they waited and they waited and waited until suddenly the Bible says, suddenly, 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 there came the sound as of a mighty rushing wind. It filled the house where they were sitting and they were all filled with oil. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they went out onto the streets. What happened there? Men and women began to cry out, what must we do to be saved? I want to declare to you, CLM, you ain't seen nothing yet. Don't rest on your laurels, please. The minute that you begin to think we've arrived, then you're going to start losing it. Keep pushing in. Dream even bigger. Get behind your pastors like never before and determine I want to be a son of oil. I want to be a daughter of oil. I want to come in unity and I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, my favorite, one of my favorite books. Where's that cloth again there, Jack? You're giving me the posh one now, a dirty one. <laughs> I like the color, sky blue, country city. Promotion, it's coming home, it's coming home. I had my season ticket for 13 years for Coventry City. Now, and I never mentioned this in the first service, but now I do support the greatest team in the country, Liverpool. But there you go. <laughs> How to win friends and influence people. Right. My, my, my favourite book, one of them is Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. And in Pilgrim's Progress, the main character is a guy called Christian. And uh, about three quarters of the way through the book, he's going on this journey, Christian is, and he comes across a sight which presents to him a riddle, something that he can't understand. And what he sees is a fireplace. And the fire is burning brightly, but somebody comes and they throw water on the flames. So far, so good. But that would normally put the flames out, water, but it doesn't. For when the water goes onto the coals, the flames get even higher and even hotter. And Christian is perplexed. He says, how can this be? Until he's taken by hand behind the fire. And behind the fire, there is someone there that is holding oil. And every time the person on the front throws the water on to put out the flames, there's a person at the back that is putting oil on. And because oil is stronger than water, it seems like it's the water that's doing it, but it's not. It's the unseen oil that is actually making the fire burn brighter. I prophesy into this place and I prophesy into your life this morning that although there is a devil at work that would try and throw water onto your life, onto your destiny, onto your calling, onto this church going from strength to strength, I've taken a look behind and I see that there is someone that is prepared to come and put oil so that the flames can burn even brighter, so that the fire can burn even hotter than it will. Someone say amen. We're talking about being a son or a daughter of oil. And for everyone, everyone, this is my assurance. This is why I came and couldn't shake this message off. I just believe that everyone that would make a confession, oh God, I need a new anointing. I need a new infilling. I need to be anointed afresh with a symbol, oil, 
of the Holy Spirit, then they would leave this place with a dynamic understanding that the next time you even get together, why tonight? What a meeting it's going to be tonight as you come together. Oh, there'll be food. There'll be laughter. There'll be joy. There'll be music. There'll be... But even, even in that type of a service, that can create something else because people have come full of oil. And visitors that come in, they, they won't be able to explain it. They won't be able to say, well, I like this and I like that and I like that. But, but there was something else. I'll tell you what it was. It was the presence of the living God. Oh, may the testimony of this church be that when every time you gather, that the dynamic is there, that people begin to say, shortly, God is amongst them. And if that's what you desire, then the key is for you to make sure you continue to be a son or a daughter of oil with a new anointing.